I heard the outtake from the Titterpigs podcast about the clapping and it proved that I am not going insane. <laughs> I've got I've I've got a technical reason, I think, for it. I think because it's a sudden uh, burst of noise, high energy noise, that the software filters it out. That's a lame excuse. So if I clap now, I reckon you won't be able to hear it. Go on then. I'd hit a did hear it. All right. They fixed they fix that bug then. They fixed that one. <laughs> Welcome to uh, episode, is this 11? I think it's 11. It was actually technically 10 because the Dennis the Death Teller one was split between two, but we'll mm-hmm. call it 11 because we're greedy, of, of uh, Bud and Griff's gaming creep show. And before we begin, Griff, um, I've got a little quiz for you. Oh, I love these. So don't forget, it's, it's one or the other. We don't need to talk about it, although as I say, we invariably will. Yes. Okay, so first question. Always feeling hungry or always feeling tired? Always feeling tired. Okay. Live by the sea or live near a forest? Live near a forest. Is that because you turn into a satyr at night? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's easier to dispose of bodies in forests. It's quite hard in the sea. They get washed up. <laughs> um, selling out and being rich or keeping your values and being poor? I'm going to be rich. Same here. Um Although I'm not doing any advertising on my channel. World peace with no technology or travel to the stars and beyond with corporate greed. Oh, world peace with no technology. That's a double win. So you don't think we should, we should aim to aim for the stars and that? Why would we inflict ourselves on galactic civilization? We're Maybe a... they're worse than us. I can't imagine how. <laughs> oh. but, honestly, if we, if we could go to the stars and we didn't ruin it, you got to think we should stay here because it's pretty bad down here. So it must be really awful up there. No, you make a good point. Okay. Slowly devoured by a colossal slug or eaten from the feet up by red garfish. I've had a dream about the first one. <laughs> so I'm going to go. It was, that was the first, the earliest dream I can remember that my antidorians. Call it me surprised. Yes, my, my antidorians when my, uh, Second brother was being born. I stayed in Cannock Chase the night and I had a terrible nightmare about being devoured by a giant slug. Horrific. I still remember okay. it. Still remember it. So I'm going to go for the second option. Well, I'm so- sorry for bringing up your trauma. <laughs> it was only 49 years ago. <laughs> it was like yesterday. You're to go over it by now. Like yesterday. Still remember it. Still remember it. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, uh, last question. Fight a lion with only back legs or a shark with only a bottom jaw? Oh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the lion because I could use a crossbow. What? Well, if the lion's got no back legs, it's gonna have to drag itself. It can we can run <laughs> like a human with no arms. <laughs> yeah, but but he's gonna be he's gonna be he can't really run. He's more like dragging himself, and then and then I'd use a crossbow with. But do you not think that that the lion that the the shark could grab you and then drag you to the depths and drown you? It could, which is why I picked the lion to kill. Yeah, that's true. I think <laughs> that didn't occur to me. <laughs> okay, um, so uh, I've actually been looking at the stats of the podcast recently, and uh, we seem to be picking up a bit of traction. Weirdly, I don't know what people why people want to inflict our nonsense ramblings on themselves, but we're starting to get a little bit of a bit of traction. And we've got, we've got some guests lined up, and I'm hoping I'm hoping within the next few weeks, CJ Roma will be our next guest on the show. That'll be good. Um, he was quite keen when I asked him, and um, and it'd be nice to speak to him because I think he's uh, he's a perfect fit for the kind of nonsense we talk about. So that'll be hopefully be the next one in the next couple of weeks. But we've got Griff pitched an idea for an episode for me and I can only imagine it's going to be it's going to get a section <laughs> to be fair it's going to be good well that all remains to be seen but at this stage do you have a spooky story for us at all you pull one from the vaults okay uh, I'll pull one from um, the vaults this okay. this is a true story it's spooky and scary and I don't really uh but it's not horror related. Okay. Okay. Then you know, in the newspapers, there's a lot of talk about UFOs. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've always sort of believed in the paranormal and UFOs. I liked the idea of, but I didn't think they really existed. You know, one of those situations where you go, if I see it, I'll believe it, and then I saw it, and now I believe it. And I saw a UFO. This was about five years ago. Right. I was on my way to work, completely normal summer's day, and I was on the bus, and we pulled up to let somebody off. And at the front of the bus, I saw something really weird in the sky. And Did anyone else see it? Well, this is it. Nobody else did. And I saw something weird in the sky. And the first thing I thought, I moved my head about a little bit, and I thought it could be like a reflection, because it was a bright sunny day. It could be a reflection off the inside of the bus. So I dinged the bell. To the bus driver and went sprinting off the bus because he pulled up. If pulled up anyway, he was just going to drive off and he let me off and I stood up off the bus. And this was rush hour in Leamington Spa and I looked up in the sky and it was still there. This weird thing in the sky. Mm. And the only way I can describe it is if you had, you know, the game Snake with the snake that you can't touch your own tail. Yeah, goes around. It was like a silver version of snake in the sky, moving about in this really complex fashion, but like all within a cube in the sky. And I was going, "What the hell is that?" And then what you just said actually happened. I thought to myself, "Why is nobody else stopping cars and watching this? Why? Why can only..." You know, and you're thinking, well, people are probably listening to the radio and eating their bacon sandwiches in their car and they're rushing to get to school and work. But I stood there and watched it. Nobody else seemed to notice. There was nobody on the street to say, look at that. And then this thing unfurled 
into like a horseshoe shaped and then shot off across the sky. Hmm. So if I have a, I have, have questions. Yes. Number one, when was the last time you'd slept? Uh, that was in the good old days when I was getting at least four hours a night. You know, I, I mean... <sighs> four hours. But there was no... Um, I, I went through all that myself. Was it sort of a hallucination? Could be lack of sleep, lack of food, you know, the usual stuff. Tiredness. But no, no, it, it really did happen. And I, I think I observed this thing. Well... I saw a UFO yesterday. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say UFO, I don't mean a flying saucer. Mm-hmm. It was an, an object that was flying that I didn't know what it was. Mm. Uh, I live right near the coast, as you know. Mm. And I was sitting in the garden with my wife, Claire, and she couldn't see it. I was really high up. There seemed to be a ball flying through the sky. But it wasn't like a balloon that had escaped. Mm. It was streaking across the sky. Yeah. There was no trail being left behind it. And I could see the, ref- the reflection of the sunlight off the front of it. Mm. And Claire couldn't see it. And I, and I was saying to her, I said, come here, just put your head on my arm and look to the tip of my finger. She couldn't see it. Yeah. Well, you do, yeah. You do get this, this effect. It's been not, it's with all this Congress stuff where, in, you know, at the moment in Congress, there are pilots and whistleblowers coming forward that are saying they've seen and encountered stuff. I mean, naval pilots have been encountering this stuff daily for years and they've been told yeah. to keep it hushed up. And one of the things that people are sort of saying is that two pilots could be flying and they observe two different things, that they have the same encounter with an object but experience mm-hmm. it in, in a different way. And that some people only pick it up on radar, some people can see it visually, and it's really weird and odd. And, and with the naval pilots, the ones that they report quite frequently are black cubes within like a transparent bubble. Yeah. But some pilots will be able to observe it. Some people will fly and it will be just off their wingtips and they only see it on radar when other pilots are seeing the same thing visually. Mm-hmm. And then some people will describe the same object in completely different ways, which makes it even more puzzling and weird and strange. And pilots are encountering these mm. things uh, the, the U.S. Navy, where the whistleblowers are starting to come forward amongst the pilots, they're observing different kinds of UFOs. And they have said that they encounter these things daily to the point where they're whistleblowing because these are a hazard. These are objects that defy all the known laws of current aerospace technology, should we say. Mm. And they're in like really sensitive areas and they, they've encountered them daily. And they encounter them wherever they are on manoeuvres around the world, these battleships do. Because there, there was footage on, when NASA did the, the press conference recently, they had that footage of the one in uh, Afghanistan, wasn't it? Yes. And they, they they were like, no idea what it is. No idea. There's a lot, we're still looking into there's a lot of silver orbs. That's one of the patterns yeah. that repeats over and over again, is silver orbs. And there, there seems to, it seems to be gravitating to a few different common types. There's the Tic Tac that looks like a giant tic-tac, um, mm-hmm. which is a pro- possibly, I think, the most compelling of all the witness accounts. Uh, silver orbs, then there's the um, flying Doritos, great big triangle. Triangles, yeah. yeah. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because 
Well, there's a lot of. I mean, I remember sending you the link to the to the four chan whistleblower, and it does seem like a lot of what this this person said was is starting to come out as being actually true. Yes, and he implied that it was Lockheed Martin, wasn't it? Well, well, without saying so, he implied it was Lockheed Martin that were responsible for the recovery and reverse engineering. Yeah. Of these well, the, the senators on both sides of the political divide in the US, it's it's a sort of a non-partisan issue. They want to get to the bottom of this. And they're announcing uh, legislation that they're working on, which will eventually be signed by uh, Joe Biden because it will get as far as his desk. And this is how seriously mm. they are taking it. Uh, alerting uh, private companies that might have recovered crash material and bodies, which is what the whistleblowers are starting to say. And apparently there are whistleblowers that have given briefings behind closed doors and they actually worked on crashed UFOs. I mean, yeah. these are people that can go to jail for a serious amount of time for being scallywags. <laughs> I'm being a scallywag. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and so they're announcing legislation that is given these private companies that have got this crashed material, that there's going to be a monitorium where they can come forward and announce that they have special access programs, which is in America, what they do is when they give the funding for all the tech and all the military, they reckon it's getting siphoned off into these programs and it's off the books, which is completely illegal, obviously. In America, and they're they're going to give them a monitorium where they can come forward and go, hands up, we've had this stuff for seventy years, eighty years, and we've been fiddling with it. Uh, mm. Otherwise, they're in serious trouble. And they've been told that some programs will be cut off completely from U.S. funding if they're suspected of having these materials, and they haven't. So it's like a big thing. And you know, Marco Rubio, who um, you know, he was a little bit famous. He ran for president last time, and I. I can't remember who beat him in the Republican nomination. Uh, But (laughs) he's come forward and he said he has spoken to scientists that have come forward and work on these, currently work on these programs, not just I used to work on, but are currently working on programs that deal with crashed UFOs. And he has said either, you know, this is the biggest historical story of all time which it would be or yeah absolutely or there's a lot of really highly cleared highly educated people running around working on government programs who are completely mad and he says both of them are a big story you know both of them are potentially true as well (laughs) yes That's the thing. And the pilots are obviously coming from it because they're saying, you don't, we don't know what it is. We know that this is not the Russians having a giddy go with a drone or the Chinese having a bit of a laugh with a balloon. These things are real and they are really dangerous because, you know, you've got airplanes up there and they're hanging about where airplanes fly and nobody knows what they are. And if the Americans don't know what they are, the American military don't know what they are, that's a problem. Okay, so before we begin with our, our main kind of topic for the day, um, should we talk about the, the gaming news, Griff? Yeah, that would be really cool. So have you got some news for I us? I have. The first bit of news, and I think this is really exciting, is uh, Modifius have dropped their co-host Cthulhu Quick Start, and this is a game that they've been trailing quite heavily for about, I think, a good, mm. a good 12 months now, and it's the first chance to look at... it. it I think it's an entire product line, so there's going to be role-playing and miniature versions of the game Mm. and novels. And this is the first chance for us to look at the role-playing version of it. 
And essentially, in a nutshell, it's their 2D20 system, which I'm a big fan of and really like. I absolutely ab- abhor it. I think and it's Star, it's Star Trek's fault. It's the, you know what? The one thing about 2D20, and I think they, uh, they've acknowledged this, um, it's took a little, bit of what, a little bit of time to nail that explanation of how the rules work because the rules are actually really elegant and simple, but they used a lot of words to explain it and just confused people um, in the early days. And mm-hmm. every iteration has got better and better at refining the rules. Um, to the point where Fallout, I read Fallout and went, I have no idea why you didn't make it this simple at the beginning, because this is beautifully explained and it's a really nice system. And this is um, more like the original Conan. And of course, with Conan, you got, because this is a game set in the Roman Empire or around the Roman Empire, sort of in the second century. Mm-hmm. And you are battling, I mean, properly battling. There's a lot of hand to hand fighting of uh, sort of the minions of chaos, so Mego and old ones and people with tentacle heads. Uh, so all the, all the beauty of cosmic horror gaming, um, but you playing people from across Europe and Africa in uh, the second century. So there's a lot of melee combat and they've re- they brought in some of the rules that they introduced in Conan that were really, really complex and fiddly and hard to understand. And they've done a really neat job of integrating stuff like having a guard and weapon length. And the game does look really cracking. Um, it's not what... It's, 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 a, it's basically Invictus, isn't it? It's like a kind of... It's a, it's a little bit like Cthulhu Invictus. It's not quite, I would say, as historically accurate as Cthulhu Invictus. There's a lot of uh, Roman role-playing games. There's a lot of Roman Cthulhu role-playing games because they're really cool subjects. This is more a rewriting of Roman history if it was rewritten by Robert E. Howard. Because, you know, he wrote a lot of stuff other than Conan. He He wrote cowboy stories and adventure stories. And he was a pulp writer. And this is a lovely mm-hmm. pulp version with Atlanteans and Hyperboreans and Hyperborean artifacts. And you're like Germanic barbarians and you're taking on cults that have uh, taken over the sort of standard Roman cults and gods. And it looks really, really right. nice. And when I first read it, I thought, oh, this is not the game I was looking for. And then, after, and, and then after a couple of rereads, I'm thinking, actually, it's not the game I was looking for, but it's a really cool game. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing this out as a final product. And the art is absolutely wicked because the art is nasty. And I, in fact, um, it, it, it is going to be sort of on the nastier end of gaming. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get this over to a wider audience. Yeah. So quite grim. You get a scenario with it, you get the rules with it, and the scenario, which I will run at some point, is a little bit nasty and deals with some quite adult themes, which which is quite cool. Mm, Okay. Any other news? Yes. There is, I like a bundle. You know, I I do go every day to all the bundle websites to see if I can get a PDF bargain. And there is an absolutely cracking one for horror fans at the moment on Humble Bundle, which is there's a Black Library offering and all the books on there are absolutely magnificent. There's a lot of really cool Warhammer fantasy books. 
very, very good. A lot of 40K books, very, very good. But it's that 78 pence offering. For 78 pence, you get some of the best Warhammer fiction ever written, which are the uh, Kim Newman, who is now a very famous writer, uh, Anno Dracula and mm-hmm. Red Mars. You know, he's a, he's a really accomplished writer. He wrote originally for Warhammer under the name of Jackie Orville. I didn't realise that was him. Yeah, that's that's Kim Newman. So uh, he wrote a set of books that have been rebranded because now there is a Warhammer horror line, which deals with horror in all the different settings, but they're horror books. And his books have rebranded Warhammer horror because they are classic horror books. And they are um, about the vampire Genevieve, who is the main hero, and she's a vampire in the old world. And the books are absolutely blinding, and they are some of the best Warhammer fiction books you can get. He nails the uh, tone of the setting. So they are really, really grim. They are very horrific horror books. Um, And they're also really very funny, I think. And it starts off with uh, Drakenfels. So Mm -hmm. it's the book about um, constant Drakenfels, the great enchanter in the old world. For people who don't know the character, he's sort of a cross between um, Gandalf the Grey and Fred West. And he's also like a, like a Doctor Doom kind of character. He's, he's a Doctor Doom character. He's got a metal mask. Yeah. He's got he does these horrific things to people. And he survived a fight with Sigmar. He took Sigmar on and survived it. Because he's he's still around from Sigmar's age, you know, of the days of the barbarians and stuff. But they're 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 beautiful horror books and really nasty. I'm really, really clever, and they've got lots of great ideas in them. Seventy-eight pence, yeah, five, like six. Bucks. I know you can't, you can't knock that for seventy-eight p, can no. you? Yeah, I've got the, I've got the Warhammer Fancy Roleplay supplement for Drakenfels, mm. and it's that's Drakenfels out in it, and he is ludicrously powerful. He is, and in that book as well, they start him off quite gentle, don't they? Because the idea of the character is you destroy him, and he comes back constantly. Um, no, yeah. which is what the books are about. The start of the book Drakenfels. The book Drakenfels is really, really funny. It reminds me of, you know, the Bob Hope films, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, the Road 2 books. Yeah. They're a little bit like that. And it's about an acting company going to Drakenfels to sort of reenact the last killing of Drakenfels. And it's really, really clever. A bunch of actors are about to put this play on at Castle Drakenfels. And they all start to, the original heroes who were there for research all get hideously murdered. I won't say more than that, but it's, it's a stunning set. Oh, I'll have to take a look at that. I mean, because as I say, I've read, I've reviewed them actually on my channel, Drakenfels, and it gives you two alternate endings. The idea that you find Drakenfels' tomb, he's dead. Yes, you find him. Mm. You know, he's long died, but his magic lives on. Or he's actually still alive. Mm. After after all said and done, and more powerful than he ever was. And that's why they give you the stats for him. And he was like a first, he was a first dead wizard he was stupidly powerful oh yeah probably the most single most powerful mortal well you know you do have to ask questions about why he didn't sort of go into godhood like sigma because he was a match for sigma yeah. and i mean it, there's not much in warhammer law where either the either sigma in warhammer fantasy or the emperor in 40k are ever 
are ever bested or have somebody go toe to toe with them. I think there's only yeah. And Dracofels is that Horus character, I think. Yeah, because Horus did the same in yeah, yeah, in Horus Heresy. Mm. And he, and the the thing is with the books as well, um, you know, the law's quite set in stone now. There's a lot of it. I think in those days it was a little bit more flexible back in the days of White Dwarf. So he takes he mm. takes a lot of liberties, and it, some of them when you with rereading you think okay it was a liberty then. Now it's really refreshing to have a vampire walking around and people know that she's a vampire and acting like it's normal. And it's nice. They're good books. We have an agenda for today, don't we? We do. Which is, we're, we're obviously the, the, the podcast is about gaming and horror gaming, but we're going to have a little aside today and talk about the 2023 any nominations mm. and how many of them we actually know. <laughs> yes. And trust me. There's not many. Okay, so the first first up is the judges spotlight winners. Mm. Um, the first one, Kevin Combs, one breath left for Stout 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 Press. Never heard of it. I've had a look and I've had a play with it. I've had a play with it. All right. Okay, then. So one breath left. It's a uh, solo horror game, um, right. a journaling horror game where you explore like a space Hulk, a wreck, and every and you 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 have a mission to do and you have to get in. Obviously, make sure you've got enough oxygen to get out. And you're exploring a wreck to complete a, a mission. And um, you can get the physical version, which is completely out of uh, print, but they're going to do a reprint. There's a physical version that you can play. And there's also a, a really neat desktop implementation. And it's actually very tense. It's a good game and experience, that one. Oh, all right. Well, I'd, I'd be willing to to, uh, to consider that then. Okay, the next one. I realise, actually, I said the judge's name, but I'm going to leave the judges out because it's not really important. Uh, Dungeons of Drakenheim by Ghostfire Gaming. I'd not heard of it. I had a brief look, and it looks very expensive. It looks very pretty and very expensive, but... Like a Gloomhaven kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. It... I don't, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, Void 1680AM by Bannerless Games. Mm-mm. Never heard of it. Uh, Moonlight on Roseville Beach, a queer game of disco and cosmic horror by Arbuck Studio. Never heard of it. Uh, Faycraft by Exalted Funeral. Now, I have heard of Exalted Funeral, obviously, but not heard of Faycraft. It looks pretty. It looks nice. I think it is. Oh, Exalted Funeral do, do nice looking books. It, it, it is one of those books, I think, that is just beautiful to own. And you're going you're gonna to read it and get a lot of inspiration for other stuff. And it is along the lines of introducing the world of fairy, including sort of dark, sinister fairy into your game. But you mean proper fairy? Yeah. Brown fairy. I mean, they're kind of <laughs> baby stealing fairies. Kind yeah, of it, it looks really, really nice. It would be one that I would pick up if I saw it in a store. Mm, fair enough. I do like a good looking book. Okay. The next, the next category is Best Adventure. So we have Broken Tales by The World Anvil Publishing. John Rubbish at this. I've heard of hardly any of these. I've heard of Broken Ink, whatever the name was, Publishing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's that popular. <laughs> <Yeah. isn't> it? <laughs> I've heard of World Anvil Publishing, but I've not heard of Broken Tales. I think, and I might be wrong on this one, but it might be another game that is set around dark fairy tales. Oh, okay. So, um, Broken Tales, uh, they are um, dark fairy tales, and it's it's very similar to the vase and setup where you are 
supernatural investigators, but the villains of the piece are not named as villains from fairy tales, but they're heavily based on. So you might go out right. and there's Barbara Yaga, for instance, and you might right. you might have a scenario where you're in the woods and there's reports of people going missing and there's a mysterious shack that moves around. So it's quite a nice, quite a nice setup. Okay. So Faycraft would probably be a nice complimentary book to that. I think it? so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Journeys Through the Reading Citadel by Wizards of the Coast. Right. Now I've got a bone to pick with this, right? Mm. I haven't bought this book. It's the only one out of the cut the the alternate art ones that I haven't bought, and it was a protest. Because this was the book they put the prices up by twenty percent. Yeah. Ooh. So I refused to buy it because th- these books are already expensive. Mm. And it jumped from like 48 quid, 40 pounds to 48 quid or something like that. And I'm like, it's getting greedy now. They're like literally the richest gaming company in the world. Why would you put stuff like this up in price that people are going to want to buy? To run? I mean, I know because it's just corporate greed, isn't it? Um, but now I've said that now, the Pinkertons will be around <laughs> to, uh, to tell me that I should vote for it. Um, what about you with Journeys of the Radiant Citadel? I would say, as this is the best adventure category, I don't, I can't see a day where something officially produced by Wizards of the Coast to me is worthy of a nomination for Best Adventure. I mean, Mm. 5e is a glorious game. It's a very good game. I do own some of the campaign books, um, some of the, some, you know, Frost Giants and the Dragon One and stuff. They're but they're boilerplate adventures. They're not. I mean, it's five E. It's Dungeons and Dragons, and it's made by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, I know you're saying it's just it's about as cookie cutter as you can get with this kind of thing, isn't it? Well, I think it's not only the fact that it's cookie cutter because there is an elegance to what they've done. They they've took uh you know with each of their campaigns they've took a, a villainous theme: dragons, giants, vampires. And they've built a campaign around it, which is a clever cool. idea. And Strahd is quite good, but I mean, it's proper boilerplate stuff. Mm. Oh, well, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if they win it. I know I think I'll win it, but we haven't got to that yet. So there's Unexpected Wedding Invitation by Midnight Tower. Not heard that. Uh, Vason RPG Seasons of Mystery by Free League. Um, I think that'll win it. I think so. Because Vason is very popular. I think so. Also, uh, they're nominated in multiple categories, and that is a testament to sort of, A, the quality of stuff that Free League do in general, and B, Vason is a very good product. It's a really clever idea. The artwork's beautiful. The artwork's beautiful. The writing is beautiful. I mean, these are people Mm. where English isn't their first language and it's some of the best writing you'll get in a game. Yeah. I played with the last uh, Grog Meter, Blighty Running, Mm. and it was a blast. It was a blast. It was really good. Yeah, that's who I hope. I mean, I I have a good relationship with Free League for my channel. Um, They're really good. They're really um, good with people who review stuff like I am. And I'm not like... I'm not like one of those people who says, send me everything. It's occasionally I'll say, could you send me one copy of this? And they always like, yep, no problem at all. Um, and they've, they've always been very forthcoming. Um, and even, I mean, at the last UK Games Expo, they put they put stuff aside for me, which was nice. I'm going to say something about Vason Adventures, though. Mm. 
I refuse to read them. And the reason I refuse to read them is because at some point I want to play in them. So, oh, okay. So, so a lot of the Vason line. Is that, is that, is that a, a trumpet call there as if somebody wants to run Vason yes, for you? Uh, with with, <laughs> with Vason, it's the kind of fun I like to have as a player. As a GM, I'm not sure it sort of pulls the sort of levers that I like as a GM. Mm. And I'd rather encounter it completely fresh. And do the investigation yeah, in it. I get it. So, so, I've, so I've got the core game, but I've avoided the adventures. See, that, that's what, that's the weird thing with me and um, with me and Impossible Landscapes. I wish I hadn't read it because I'd love to have played it. Mm. But, but I, once once it's been seen, it can never be unseen, yes. unfortunately. Uh, and the last in this category is VHS Very Horror Stories by Aces Games. Never heard of this. It. This won't win, but my God, it's a good product. It's a vintage horror role-playing game. So if you were around and you're really old like me, and as we've mentioned before, you watched a lot of stuff on VHS, you shouldn't have watched certain kinds of horror films. It's a horror game that comes in a VHS cassette box. Okay. And And it's based on all the sort of films we used to watch, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the uh, quick start is available from their website and it is beautiful. And it's worth just owning the quick start and running it for your mates. And this product um, is just about to be a second iteration of uh, video cassettes you can buy with games on the inside. It's due to launch on September the 13th. So okay. it's definitely one for people to keep their, their eye out for. Can I just say, though, if you're going to release a horror game on September the 13th, it's it's a bit of a shame they didn't make sure it was a Friday because it's, I know, I it's know, a Wednesday yeah. this year. <laughs> <laughs> There's some missed marketing there. I know. It's like, when, like, why don't they release the next Star Wars movie on May the 4th? I know, like, you know. Um, okay, so best aid or accessory digital. I mean, these are all much of a muchness for me, I've got to be honest. The DDD, sorry, DD Dice, the 3D Dice Company, no. Rim Space Plan Generator, don't play Rim Space, Sonic Library, no. The Session Zero System, no. We Deal in Lead, I mean, I've heard of We Deal in Lead, Gunslinger Generator. I mean, no. They're, 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 <laughs> they're, they're nice and neat products. Some of the, I've had a look at the generators, and there's a nice yeah. little bit of program in there. And as someone that coded up at, at 15, all of the traveler rules on a, a, a BBC micro, so I could generate star systems <laughs> and planets and worlds uh, and then print them out on the printer, reams and reams of this stuff. Well, <laughs> dot matrix, dot matrix, my mate's dot matrix printer. It was this computer I used to code on. I've got, I've got a lot of admiration for people who do coding type stuff and and as a as a, if you play those systems to be able to go online and go give me a gunslinger give me a planet that's quite cool yeah okay fair, fair enough but it's not really in my ballpark to be honest okay uh, best aid or accessory non-digital uh, the nominees are Dekuma the R&D for your RPG by Golden Lasso Games I've no idea it's a tarot game I've had it ex- oh. I've had it explained to me um, and they explained it to me. My question after they explained it to me was the question that I asked before they explained to me, which is why? Why would people want this? 
and I still didn't get it. Okay, so but people do like a nice tarot, don't they? I'm not. I'm not a big fan. To me, to me, I put tarot in role playing terms. I put tarot in the same um, bucket that I put cyberpunk. Yeah, some people. Some people will like that. But I've got no interest whatsoever. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's not for me either. Um, expanded character sheet journals by Renegade Game Studios. Uh, Renegade would normally do good stuff, but I've no, I've no idea what this is. God, how are we, we show my ignorance here? I do apologise to everyone. I mean, we have to acknowledge that, I mean, the, the gaming industry is changing. It's changing quickly. And there's never yeah. been a better time to game. There's a lot more sort of diversity in terms of the of players dms and what they want to interact with so even though we're being a bit facetious while we go never heard of it it's probably a really neat product for somebody yeah yeah it's it's never it's just it's just i've never heard of it i'm not i'm not like scoffing and saying never heard of that it's like just i've never heard of it it's it's just me it's because i basically sit browse and reddit all day (laughs) (laughs) um the next one is the book of the new jerusalem by Pelgrane Press. That is a nice book. That is a really... Pelgrane do do nice books, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a um, source book that's sort of set in Britain for Trail of Cthulhu would be your best bet for using it. But, you know, I think it's good enough that you could use it as a product in its own right. It's very deep. It's all based around like sort of the works of William Blake and. Old oh, okay. tree, and it's like you know when you watch University Challenge when you were a kid, and you go, "God, you're all really clever." I don't know any of that sort of stuff. It's that kind of product, but I, I have, I do own it, and it is beautiful. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the Mall Adventure Set Number One by Obscuriat What Walser, or is it Walser? I don't know. Um, not heard of that. Uh, the Witcher hybrid dice set Wolf Gollum's Heart by Q Workshop. I mean, are they just dice? Yeah, £80 dice. Not £80 in weight, £80. you got, you got to think to yourself, how much money have you got if you could spend £80 on a set of dice, which are just the answer is- objects that you chuck across a table? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would have spent £80 on a set of plates. <laughs> I could I could buy a second hand car for eighty quid. <laughs> I mean, I've had a look. Okay. I've had a I've had a look at them, and I can't see a world where I'd prefer those dice rather than to feed my family of children for a week. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so best art cover. Now this has got a clickable link which shows you all the covers. So the first one is. Uh, Blackbird, Servants of the Gods, Special Edition. I mean, I mean, it's okay, but it looks very much of a muchness to me. I will say something about Blackbirds. I, I love that cover. Um, it, yeah. Okay, I'll explain why I love the cover. The cover makes sense if you read the game. It, it, it's a little bit like, it's a tableau of, of famous people from the game Um. The, the game itself is, takes a little bit of explaining, so I'll just very quickly explain it, because it is an absolutely cracking game, Blackbirds. It's a variation of Spyhander, and it's a cosmic horror game. And what it is, is there's some terrible people called the oligarchs, you know the type, rich nobles, 
and merchants. And they kill the gods in this game. They kill them and take their place. And they go off into sort of the cosmos and they're slowly like pupa metamorphosizing into the gods they're going to become. And back on Earth, everything's gone terrible because to achieve this, they did really horrific things. Yeah. And they've got cults that are trying to bring their their newly birthed gods back down. Okay. So what the cover actually is, it's a bit like the RuneQuest cover, you know, the famous one, or with... Uh, oh, the, the gods are they? They're the gods. They're the dark forms or forms of the oligarchs. Oh, okay. And it sounds like a good game, to be honest. It, it is. It's it's up in a few categories. It's not in the category I, categories I'd like to have seen it. It is an absolutely cracking version of Warhammer. Let's be blunt about it. It is Warhammer, <laughs> the cosmic uh, horror version of Warhammer. Right. And it's a it's a beautiful mix of Warhammer, Call of Cthulhu, and one of my favourite things to always put in a in a game: Marvel superheroes. Because your <laughs> your characters are brutal in it. You have abilities that you can trigger like once a session. Yeah. Uh, once a story. And it is stuff like kill everybody within 10 feet. Don't matter who they are. Unless they've got the trait unkillable, they're all dead. Oh, okay. So you're, you're like superpowered fantasy. Super, yeah, superpowered. You, you, you're the, the gods have been killed, including the gods of fate and the webs of fate sort of flicked at random around the universe. And they touched you and imbued you with superpowers. Okay. And the one thing I, I, I love the mythology and I love the magic system because the magic system is all about making pacts with demons. And you got and the magic system is something called the odd, just OD. And it's a it's a it's a really cracking game that really should have a lot more traction than it's got. Mm, maybe this will give it a bit of traction. Well, I'm hoping. I, I don't know what's happening with the uh, the publishing company and whether they've abandoned oh, okay. abandoned all role playing games because they're pulling out out the role play market and whether somebody else is going to pick it up. I have no idea what's happening with. Well, they're offering any, so. This, mm. this, I'm hoping this is will be a good shop window for them, and I'm hoping a lot more role players will. I mean, it's, it's sitting on my coffee table in front of me. Is that- the thing is, though, if, for a game of that kind of thing, Blackbeard tells you nothing, does it? It's one of these games that does something really unfortunate, and I, I complain about this bitterly. It invents its own terms for things. Yeah, and no one ever uses the things, do they? So, like, a, a scenario is a weaving. Yeah. And a player is a blackbird. And I'm thinking... It's really cool, and I know you want to be a different sort of kid and wear your shirt untucked and sort of, you know, have a number three buzz cut to school where the minimum cut you can have is a, is a grade four. You don't need to do it to, to make yourself cool. No, I mean, I think these things are never stick. I mean, the last one that I can think of that stuck was Handler for Delta Green. I mean, before that, well, I mean, it was Keeper, wasn't there, for Call of Cthulhu? Yeah. But beyond that, it, He's just essentially a GM. Yes. And and unfortunately, one or referee or, or some variation on that. It's got really evocative writing, um, Blackbird, as, as a GM. Um, when you read it, you do have to do a little bit of work because a lot of it is told in sort of metaphor and flary language. Mm. And, that, and that's quite a lot of hard work. It's, I'll be honest, it takes a little bit of energy to read the book. 
So you don't need technical weird terms for things to, to add to sort of the brain power you're expending. But it mm. is a really great game. Okay, let's move to the next one. So it's Historica Arcanum, the City of Crescent. I mean, that's a good cover. Yes. You, you've, got to, you've got to see it big to kind of get the detail in it. I like that. Although I don't know anything about the game. Yeah, that is that is something that is going to look really good on you. That's one to put. That's one if your mom sees it on your coffee table, she's going to get worried about you. <laughs> she's going to go, "What? What are you getting into?" It's a demon worship. Yeah. Like it's nothing good. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's good. Next one is Shiver Gothic. Um, I quite like this. I I I really like this. It's striking. It's, I've got Shiver. It was in a bundle not long back, sort of the base version. This is the gothic horror implementation of Shiver. So Frankenstein, Dracula. Yeah, you play them, don't you? Those kind of, yeah. You can play them, yeah. And that cover is really elegant and tells you what the game is up front. And stylistically, all the art within Shiver is very, very good. Yeah, I I do like that. It's, it's, It's quite minimalist in many ways, isn't it? Yes. Um. Okay, so and I do like the way the the silk ribbon looks like a demon's tail. That's by design, isn't it? And and one thing about it is, and this is real kudos to the the people who make it that stands out on the shelf. You know what that game is. You don't need to know what system it is to look at their covers to work out what game it is. Yeah. Okay. So let's move to the next one. So to the Serpentine. Um, I mean, it's a good cover, but it's kind of par for the course. For me, I like the perspective on it. It's mm. of, a, of a thief climbing a tower, and you can see the gulls below and all that. But it's very much kind of what I would expect. Yeah, and one of one of the problems is it. I mean, it's gonna. We'll talk about it later on. It's up for multiple categories. It's an absolutely fantastic product. It really, really is. And I don't think that the cover brings out either the setting, which is phenomenal. Or really what kind of a game it is. It doesn't really tell you that. It, it, as a piece of art, it's nice. For a cover for Swords of the Serpentine, I think if I was the art director, I'd have asked for something slightly different for the film. It's a nice piece of art, but it's just a bit kind of by the numbers for me. But that's just my preference. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is Xanadu, an expansion to the Nibiru role-playing game. Uh, I like that cover. And I like the perspective. It's like a giant sphinx kind of creature, isn't it? Like a a robotic sphinx and there's a little person right near the front. Mm. Mm, Yeah. And again, again, with all the Nibiru stuff, their their art is really, really sort of, it broadcasts what game it is. Mm. It's got a really, really coherent style. So yeah, I like it. I like Xanadu. What do you think is going to win out of that? I think uh, Xanadu will win it. Uh, yeah, I think I would go with that. I think it's a good cover. Okay, so the next one, best art interior. So again, you can you can click to look at these. So we've got flabbergasted. Uh, that's nice art. Yeah, it is. It's it, it's a really uh, graphic, yeah, novel is, yeah. style. It reminds me of yeah, stuff like only Tintin. maybe a bit better detailed. Yeah, better detailed, and it's it sort of you. You could tell immediately because what the art is, it's it's a game set in the Roaring Twenties. It's a comedy game. It's sort of Jeeves and Wooster, and that's you know, you know, um, yeah, it looks that sort of genre of game, yeah. and, and and it really captures it. 
And uh, you know, they'd make lovely posters. They would, to be they fair. They would yeah. for your uh, So that's by The Wanderer's Tome. So the next one is Incantations by Metal Weave Games. Uh, let's have a look at that. Um, oh, that's nice art. That's very nice art. Yeah. They're, they're like paintings, aren't they? Yes. They, they, they are. That, that's somebody yeah. with some real talent. So it's, it's sort of, and it's evocative, because what Incantations is, it's a set of uh, spells. I believe for five E, and it's the sort of spells that you don't don't normally get in Dungeons and Dragons. The sort of spells that you want but don't need, you know, making ships fly, and it really comes ac- across really beautifully. It's, it's very magical looking. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it, but they do look like kind of classical paintings, which is, you know, you've got to be talented to do that kind of thing. Um, so we've got Oz fantasy role playing setting. Let's have a look at this. I really love that art style. It reminds me of, in some ways, the art from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Is it David Gibbons? Yeah. Yes, and it's all done in it's all done in yeah. uh, in sort of monochrome, and it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's minimal, and uh, you know the artists are obviously um, really honed down that that yeah. internal art style. I th- I, I, and it's almost I, it's like a, deco, it's a beautiful isn't it? product. kind of style of art, yeah. And that's by Andrews McNeil yes. Universal. So the next one is Seven Sinners by Manor Project Studios. Um, that's a good cover. Oh, God, that's really great art. That's a properly talented artist mm. who's done that. Yeah, they, I think, yeah, it's proper horror, Yeah, um, sinister, demonic. It's really, it, you're under no um, misconceptions about what kind of game that is. I mean, to be honest, this is the tightest category so far, isn't it? Uh, and we've got Vason, which is the Britain, uh, Mythic Britain, Mythic Britain and Ireland by Freely Publishing. And uh, again, the art's gorgeous in this as well. It has, it's really got its own style. Absolutely. Uh, again, it's got that sort of, it, it's very idiosyncratic. You can tell what game it is. And yeah. I'd love to see a Vason. A graphic novel. Do you know what I think it reminds me of? It reminds me of like um, kids' storybooks in some ways. They're, they're illustrations rather than just hacking at a painting. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. That the artists. Are, yeah, like you said, the 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 one thing I've noticed after my hiatus from gaming and coming back is jeepers creepers. The artists are good nowadays. Yeah, I think it's also easy for artists to get the work out there though as well, isn't it? Yes. The internet's been great for artists. I mean, you know, AI art aside, the ability for artists to get their portfolios out there as the click of a button mm. is a really good thing. Okay, so let's have a look at the next category, um, which is best cartography. So first up is Blade Runner RPG Starter Set by Freely Publishing. Do, do I have a funny relationship with Blade Runner? What's that? And I think I'm literally one of only a handful of people on this planet that doesn't like the movie. Uh, uh, no, you, I'm, I might be in that handful as well. I, I think the movie's okay. I don't see the reason to watch it more than once. The thing is about it is every time I watch it, I, I fall asleep at the same part every time. We go to visit the, doc, the doctor about the eyes. Oh, yeah. It's... Every single time I start drifting, I just think it's boring. And I know I'm massively in the minority with this, but I, that's how I feel. Yes. Um, I mean, I've I've not seen it, but I've heard it's a good game. But but it's not, but it's not up for being a game. It's up for the cartography, which I've not seen. No. Um, campaign builder, cities and town maps followed by Col- Col- uh, Cobalt Press. No, I've not seen it. I, I've I've seen that. 
you know, uh, we've moved into a, a world where there's a lot more digital gaming. VTTs, you really do need a battle map to play on because it's not all theatre of the mind anymore. And they're, they're a quality set of uh, battle maps and they're nice, really nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one is Claw Atlas, new map for Beak, Feather and Bone by Possible World Games. No, I've not. I've not seen them. I, just, I probably have at the expo. They've probably been there, but I've just walked past. I, I backed the original Kickstarter. Did you? And I, I did for for uh, Big Feather and Bone. I think it's a game of immense beauty. It's it's a it's a. I think it's a game that you play before you actually use the city that you create to play in. So you play uh, Tengu, like Raven Folk. And they give you a set of maps and there's a game to do with factions fighting for different bits of the maps. Right. Okay. And so this is an expansion set with more maps that you can use to play the game. And there's a word in art that sounds like an insult, but it's actually, uh, I think can be a very big compliment, naive, where somebody hasn't, hasn't overproduced or hasn't sort of overworked something. And that's what these maps are. They're beautiful, hand-drawn city maps. Some people might look at it and go, happy amateur. I look at it and just think that they're things of exquisite beauty. So I think, you know, this is something I really like. Yeah, I mean, I've not, I've not seen it, but again, like a lot of the things in there, I've just not seen it. Uh, Duck Quest by Exalted Funeral. Now, I have heard of this, but I've not seen it. The, the, the map's nice. They've they've got sort of a, a map of Aqualunia that you can have a look at, and it's, <laughs> which I'm guessing is the setting, and it's a lovely map. I do I I always use the rule with a map. It's good if I want to get it printed off Redbubble and put on a quilt. Cover. How many quilts have you got with maps on I, them? I've got about four. Mo- mo- most of them are RuneQuest. And uh, I'd I'd be, if it was available at Redbubble, I'd be quite happy to have a a Duck Quest map. Well, that's a big compliment. And then last in this category is High High Guard Update 2022 by Mongoose Publishing. I'd no idea what High Guard is, never mind the 2022 update. So, okay. High High Guard is uh, the ship rules for Traveller and ship design rules. This is the updated version. And with Traveller, you'll want a really good set of deck plans. If you're having a fight on board your ship or there's, you, you go and do onboarding of other ships, you need a quality set of plans. Traveller fans are notoriously very picky about how they would like the art presented. And I think High Guard's a pretty good... I'm going to say High Guard is a good set of deck plans for ships, but Traveller fans might disagree because... They like it a certain way. Well, that's that's fair enough. I mean, you know, if we all agreed on the same thing, we'd all be playing Warhammer, wouldn't we? Okay, so the next category is Best Electronic Book. Uh, Brindlewood Bay by the Gauntlet Gaming Company, uh, Community. Uh, that was Kickstarter recently, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I didn't back it, but I can't remember why. But I've heard good things about Brindlewood Bay. I've played it. It's a fun game and it's got a, a lot of love. So it's mm. for, for people who don't know it, it's basically murder she wrote with Call of Cthulhu. Okay, and it's a lot. It's got a lot of um, um, fans 
everybody that plays it is always massively blown away. And I think it's the sort of game, you know, that you can play with non-gamers. Mm, and, yeah. I, I, and, and because if you're playing it, say, with my mom, my mom understands Murder, She Wrote, and all the other stuff with the horror stuff would probably just make her laugh, you know, and she'd find funny. So, yeah, it's good, good product, Brendan. Yeah, I think it's probably in for the shelf there. Um, Coven of Cats mini campaign by RNW. Not heard of it. Do you, do you like cats, bud? I do like cats, but I don't have one. I have had many cats throughout my life. I do like cats, and I, I'm less of, less of a fan of dogs, although we have a dog, and I hate her. <laughs> so I, I don't hate her. She just annoys me. But then my kids annoy me, and I don't hate them. So everyone annoys me. I don't know what, what it is. Maybe it's me. It probably is, to be fair. It's like it's like I feel like I don't fit in anywhere, and I've come to the conclusion in my 50s, it's it's not a them problem. Yeah. Says this is true, but I'm happy to put, remove myself from the problem. Is the thing, I'm happy to go. You know what? I'm not going to enjoy this. So why do you want me there spoiling it by complaining? Like it's my daughter's. Um, she's got her school play on Wednesday, and I was jokingly said, "Can I buy a pair of those glasses with eyes on the front?" And, 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 and well, she thinks I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, I do like cats, but I'm not sure what that has to do with Coven of Cats. A, a, a Coven of Cats is a fifth edition um, source book where you play cats who are wizards. I'm not always to be said. If you if you like those things, it's it, it, it would be fun. And I'm going to be honest, it's got an absolutely beautiful art style. Uh, okay, so the next one up is Host and Hostility. Three Reasons to Call of Cthulhu Scenarios by Miskatonic Repository. Um, I'm glad to see Miskatonic Repository getting some love. Although, I, suppose, I, I thought this was in print. I, thought, I mean, I could be wrong. Mm. Um, but I, I do like to see, because uh, the, the, the people at Miskatonic Repository, I chat to a number of them, and they work really hard on what they do. And none of them are full-time what they do. No, they're all they're all they're all got jobs and families that they try and hold down, and they produce some great stuff. Yeah, and this this does look this does look really good. I mean, I I, I am in, I don't own, but I am intrigued by the idea of Regency Cthulhu. Mm. I like my Cthulhu. I mean, all Cthulhu can be historical. Yeah. Uh, but I've got sick of the 1920s vanilla flavor. So the idea of the Regency is good. And this is a lovely product because you get three scenarios. It's 105 pages. You get three scenarios and they're designed for one on one play and to be done in sort of an evening. And that's, mm. that's, a, that's a neat idea. I think that's beca- uh, yeah. because I think um, the, the one thing with uh, Regency Cthulhu, I think a lot of it is about the dialogue. And can you emulate that pattern? Yeah. That, that way of talking to each other. And, and it's a little bit social interaction. So one-on-one is a really neat idea. I mean, I, I could I could try to do the kind of voice, but I'd probably sound more like the guy who robs geese from the farm, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I'd sound like Sean Bean. Yeah, you, you'd be the, the gardener who takes his hat off and fumbles with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I'm sorry, Yeah, sorry, Miss. I don't know what your master said to, to crack on and do the pumpkins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, nice pro- nice product. And you know what I was really impressed with? You, you shouldn't use this really as a thing, uh, as a compliment, but it's really cheap. For a 105-page oh, yeah. PDF, $8. Yeah, three scenarios, so three nights of gaming. That's really good. 
Yeah. That's not that's not eighty pounds for some dice you chuck across the table. Yeah, but once you've chucked them dice across the table, you're gonna continue chucking them across the table, aren't you? It's not it's not one shot with the dice. Is it not? I thought you had to get a fresh set every time you did a roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay, so the next one is Lichdom by Feral Wizard Library. No idea. And again, it's not me being dismissive. I've just I've not heard of it. I, I hadn't heard of it. It's a solo game which isn't the sort of game that I normally play. I understand they're really, really popular and I understand why they're really, really popular. And to be honest, I, I mean, I'm intrigued by it because who hasn't wanted to, to, to extend their lifespan with necromancy and demonology and become an undead wizard? I think about it every day. Um, Vault of the Blood Mage by Crypting Press. Um, I have heard of this, but I don't know anything about it. A deadly dungeon, apparently. It looks, at first glance, like a really solid, nice product, but I don't know anything other than that. Okay, so we don't have to go through all of these, you know. We can just skip a couple of categories if you want. Uh, best free game product, probably the same as well. But I will say, can I have a, a quick call out for exclusions on Botanist? Which is another solo, solo. Sounds, that sounds like someone pulled three words out of a book and made the game out of it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that, like a random game generator. No, I've got to make it. Yeah. What did you roll? Exclusion zone and botanist. But it, <laughs> but the, the the game is what it says what it is. So it's based on stuff like you know Annihilation on Netflix, where there's an area and there's weird weird wildlife, and you've got to get in, discover new wildlife, which could be weird and dangerous and odd and scary. Um, document it and then get back out again without being eaten. Okay, well, that sounds and okay. Yeah, it sounds good fun. It's and it's again, it's Exeunt Press who do a lot of niche, compact gaming experiences. So I think that's a good, a good horror game. I think. Okay, uh, let's move on to best game now. So the first one for best game is Fabula Ultima: The Core Rulebook by Need Games and Rooster Games. Not heard of it. It's a console JAR. PG, so Japanese style role playing game. So if you played Final Fantasy back in the old days of PlayStation, and, and I guess we're now getting gamers who came through playing that when they were six or seven and they want to have that sort of experience, it allows you to play JRPGs um, with the, the sort of their idiosyncrasies about how these games work. And it looks really nice and it is on my watch list fair enough uh, next is Flabbergasted the Wanderer's Tome uh, we've already talked about the art for that haven't we um, it looks like it could be interesting yeah um, Passion de la Passions by Magpie Games sorry if I've just butchered the French there but you know I'm, I'm not I'm not French I think um, is, it, is it not Spanish I think I don't know I think I think it's a game not Spanish either <laughs> I think you, know, you, know, you could based, be right actually yeah it, it's a game based around telling novellas you know if you watch those sort of um, what Kojak uh, no. <laughs> you know uh, sort of uh, a, a lot of um, soaps essentially but very oh, okay. over the top overly dramatic yeah uh, and if it, I, I could imagine that being a really fun experience yeah because there's like lots of Colombian 
kind of TV shows like that, isn't there? And Mexico, Mexico is mad for them, which yeah. is the, and I do watch a, a, quite a few Mexican telenovelas. I'll say no more about that. That looks like it could be funny if it was done properly. If if it was done properly and you lent into it, I think you you could have a lot of fun. I think Flabbergasted is the same. Flabbergasted is comedy based on Jeeves and Wooster. You, the plays are expected to be funny, so I think it's all about getting the right group together. Yeah. So the next game is Slug Blaster, kick, kick flip over a quantum centipede. Again, this just sounds like someone pulled, you know, a load of random words out of a out of a bag. Um and I've noticed one of the artists is called Sex on a Pizza, which is an unfortunate name if that's what his parents call their parents called them. How did they get the vicar to say that? Because I would, if I was christening a baby, <laughs> what are you going to call your baby? Sex on a pizza? No way. I'll, Maybe the same name is pizza. Maybe there's, and it's, it's sex owner. They just put space, is it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've not heard of it. I don't, I'm based on the description. The, the title, I've got no idea what it is. I think we there was, there was a, fl- a flutter of games in the late 80s that were very similar where you played aliens at a high school. And I think it's a... Oh, okay. It's a similar sort of thing. I think it's a... a like Galaxy High. Galaxy yeah. High, I think. And this is like a quantum version of, of weird strangeness with teenagers in a small town doing weird things. Okay. I can imagine it being a, a, a lot of fun, a, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, not my sort of game. Okay, so the next one is Trophy RPG by the Gauntlet Gaming Community and Hedge Maze Press. Again, I've never heard of it. It's a dark fantasy game um, set in a forest where with doomed treasure seekers and the forest doesn't want you there. And I, I believe it's a little bit like Cthulhu Hack. I've been told, and a little bit like Blades in the Dark. And it's got a lot of good horror elements. Got, you know, I think I think of people that backed it, because there was a, a very famous Kickstarter for it. Everybody that backed it and received it has been very impressed with it. Okay. Sounds like a good idea for the game, with the forest essentially rebelling against you. Okay, so we've got, next up is best layout and design. Um Let's see if we can wrench some interest from this. Um, first one's Blade Runner RPG core rule book. I mean, Free League always do nicely laid out books. They do design books well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eldritch Overload, Tarot and Codex. I mean, to be honest, the minute I see Tarot and Codex, my brain switches off. They're two words when they're together. Yeah, it's not, it's not just that, but it's Tarot and Cyberpunk. Oh, shoot me in the face right now. <laughs> Um, Frontier Scum by Games Omnivorous. I I, I own this. Uh, Games uh, Omnivorous stopped sending me stuff because I gave one of their books a bad review. Oh, that doesn't seem very nice. I mean, not you. No, because I said I didn't like the art and they thought the art was brilliant and I thought it looked like a kid had drawn it. Well, you have to sort of roll with those sort of punches. We've all, we, we've all done stuff that people haven't liked, even if it's just of course, yeah. make a cup of tea that your mum spits out in your face. Um. I mean, that's just rude at that point, though, isn't it? <laughs> you don't know my mom. <laughs> well, that's that, that's the thing, though. I mean, you know, I've 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 reviewed things and given not great reviews to things, but people have never took it personally, oh. and my reviews are always constructive. Yeah. Um, but, I, well, you know, I do. They're lost. I do like Frontier Scum. It's 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 a beautifully put together book. It's an acid western role playing game. Um, so cowboys, but you know, in in a certain style. 
and uh, the book is presented in sort of not it's it's a it's a proper book, but it's presented like pamphlets of the day with little news clippings. So while you're reading it, there's a lot of adverts for things and news clippings about stories. And so if you're reading the game and absorbing all the lore and what the world is like at the same time. And I think it's actually really clever. Oh, okay. Now, I don't know what this one is, but it sounds great. Nolan Locke's Exquisite Corpse by the Corpse Exquisite. I've no idea what it is, but I want to know what it is. Any idea? Uh, I'm just quickly looking on the advert. Um, it does look really nice. You know, the, the art, the art's very good if you click on it. So uh, apparently it's a book that introduces you to RPG story design. So you learn about oh, okay. design components and elements that you can combine in any order to craft an exciting and unique game for your players. That sounds actually really good. And looking at it, the layout is very nice and the art is very nice. Um, it's black and white, which mm. is always a brave choice to go sort of monochrome. Yeah, the layout is lovely. It, it is. I do like background pictures. As long as it doesn't interfere with the writing and the way it flows across a couple of pages, very, very yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, I, I could see, I could see me wanting that and liking that. Mm. Uh, and women are werewolves by Ninth Level Games. <laughs> no idea. I don't know about about that. I, I, I haven't come across that game. Um, okay. But uh, you know, it's a neat title for a game because now I've heard it, I want to find out what it's about. Um, fair enough. So we've got next category, best monster verse, monster slash adversary. Should we skip past that? The only thing, oh, I'd, I'd like to talk about Ruins of Simbaroom, if that's okay. Yeah, that would be the one I would talk about because the art in, in Simbaroom is just breathtaking. Yes. So Ruins of Simbaroom, this is the uh, fifth edition version of D&D. And like many things, it's the people external to wizards who does do the most exciting stuff with D D. So um, based, you know, based upon the, the fifth edition rules, you've got really cool games like Lord of the Rings, Ruins of Simbaroom, Brancalonia, there's a cracking version of Trudvang, Dr. Grotbord that's just come out. Mm-hmm. And Doctors and Daleks, you know, there's, there's a Doctor Who fifth edition game. And Simbaroom, I think of all of them, is the one that is the most there all those games are impressive ruins of simbaroom is absolutely beautiful um so if you like simbaroom it's a uh quite a, a horrific uh horror game fantasy horror game and uh the monsters in it if there's there's nothing amazing about this game if you already on simbaroom because this is a translation but there are monsters that you could port across to another world that are really, really clever. They've got some incredible lore, and I don't want to give any spoilers because half the fun is finding out about them. Mm. So I would say that Ruins of Simbaroom, if you're a fifth edition dungeon master, you might not want to bother with the rest of the game, but getting that best year is a good idea. Okay. So best online content. Um, I mean, I've heard of... A cannibal halfling gaming. Mm. I've heard of no, none of the others. I'm afraid. 
Um, I don't really watch much in the way of online content. There's only a couple of people I watch. I think Cannibal Halfling game is something that I, I, I sometimes go to when you don't want to wade through the open sewer that is social media to find out what's going yeah. on in the role-playing world. It's, it's a nice mm. sort of blog that tells you a lot of what you want to know about what's going on in the role-playing world. Okay, so then best organised play there, skip that. Um, okay, best podcast... Uh, Backwards Bastards, Backwater Studios, LLC, Call of Cthulhu, Bookshops of Arkham, Chaosium, Roll20, Elder Eye Entertainment, How We Roll, mm-hmm. uh, Seth Skorkowski and Transplaner, The Second Tra- Stranger by Transplaner RPG. Now, four out of them five are actual plays. Yeah, I was thinking that. It's only Seth that is an actual play. It's a, it's just, it, And it, it also, it's not his podcast, because if it was podcast, it, it would be John Hook. Yeah. Because it's him and John that do the podcast. I mean, obviously, I want Seth to win, because I know Seth. Mm. But but none of them are podcasts. The actual plays and Seth is his channel, where he does reviews and all the stuff you like Seth for. It, it is strange. They've all got their audiences. I've got my opinions on actual plays that, I mean, I could share here, but I think I might upset a lot of people that do actual plays. Well, well, I'm, I don't care who I upset. I don't like them. I don't, I don't watch them. I, I think Critical Role is just a waste of time. Why would I want to watch someone playing it when I can play it myself? If you can put the time aside to watch Critical Role, you can put the time aside to have a game. I've got a theory about actual plays. They don't actually come from role playing. They come from LARPing. Yeah, they're all. When we were when we were setting out, there was an overlap between the communities, but there were the communities of people that throw dice about and uh, sat around a table, mm. and the other people who played LARPs. And some people did both. Yeah, and LARPs yeah. tended to be the people where no one knew or cared about the rules. It was more about showing off in your fancy costume, and it was where all the drama students went. Yeah, I get that. And um, and I think to myself, I do occasionally watch actual plays, and there are some, there are a few very good ones there, um, but they're not podcasts. No, this is a podcast with a couple of people to, chatting about things. Um, I mean, as I told you before, I've been in a few actual plays, and I kind of, kind of wish I hadn't done them. We should do one. No, it'd be terrible. It would. It would not. People, well, number one, people, that's a look at us. <laughs> Well, we, we, we can dress up like they do in the actual plays. Have you still got your Ro- your Roman legionnaires outfit? I've got a Rom- I've got a full Roman legionnaires outfit just in case in case I need it. <laughs> That's the best reason. <laughs> I, I I keep thinking to myself, I ought to get rid of this Roman legionnaires outfit. No, 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 keep it. Keep it. You never know, because then I always come up with a reason why I might need it in the very short term that never comes about. But but that one day when you need it, you'll be able to have told you so everyone will. Yeah, I will. I'll be the only person that survives on the planet going, did you not all have a Roman legionnaires outfit just in case? It was the only way to survive the apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got, I don't know whether it's a radical point of view here. I think there should be three categories here. There should be best online content. Mm-hmm. There should be best podcast and there should be best actual play. And, and I think one thing we could all agree, whether you, whether actual plays are your thing or not, 
or, or I mean, I love stuff like Seth's stuff. I watch a lot of gaming channels on YouTube that talk around the hobby. I listen to more role-playing podcasts that you could shake a stick at. It's not like there's not a lot of them and it's not like there's not a lot of good ones because there, there really are. There really are. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, you know, who... <laughs> We, we, uh, we, me, well, I say me, we, we played uh, Carnival of Madness with Alex Gillard running mm. it. Our players were Seth Skorkowski, John Hook, Scott Dorwood and Pookie and me. That's impressive. And there were people who would kill to watch those people. I mean, not me, but the others, they would kill to watch them all play together. And it was a blast, to be fair. But we were all like, nah. We probably could have recorded it and put it out there, but we're like, nah, because that was never the point. No. I would say that they're all cool things, that they all suit an audience. I'm going to go, I would go with Seth. And the reason why is I always imagine podcasts as being um, something, a radio show that Radio 4 wouldn't dare put on. So it's going to be yeah. informative sort of document, not like we was just talking rubbish, documenting stuff, um, telling you stuff that you don't already know, a little bit educational. And Seth's channel fits that criteria for me. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i probably a bit biased because Seth's like a friend of mine, but I, I hope he wins it because I don't think the others are podcasts. And I know Seth isn't a podcast, but it's at least it's something different to what the other four are. Yes. Uh, okay. So Seth, you're going to be nice and greedy and get hopefully your second any. And, uh, and I'll have you spare if you don't want it. If you want to bring it to Gen Con next year, I'll, I'll, I'll take it off your hands. Um, I'll just scratch your name out. <laughs> um, okay, so best production values. I do like a nicely produced game. Mm. So the nominees are Blackbirds, RPG Servants of the Gods edition, Carbon Grey, and that's by Andrews McNeil Publishing, Carbon Grey RPG Deluxe Box Set, Magnetic Press Play, Die, the role-playing game special edition by Rowan Rook and Deckard, Household by Two Little Mice, and one of our favourites, mm. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, The Enemy Within, Empire and Ruins Collector's Edition by Cubicle 7 Entertainment Limited. Mm. Um, the only one I've seen of those would be Warhammer. And those collector's editions are nice, but I still don't think they've got a lot to offer. Mm-mm. They've got a nice cover, and I think you get the handouts as actual printed handouts, don't you? Yes. In the, uh, but... I don't think there's anything that looks necessarily about them. Not like like um like the Imperial Zoo. That is a beautiful book. Yes. And, and you know what? I'm gonna say something here. That must have been a credit category. Those five games that you just announced all mm. are works of art. They are they are all beautiful, but there's a chunk of cubicle seven that you could put squeeze into that category. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and Windsor Magic's coming out in the next two weeks. Yeah. And that's a that's a faux leather-bound book, yeah. which I have on order. Yeah. And then obviously got Lustria later in the year, mm. which will be another beautiful collector's edition. I kind of wish I'd have bought the Enemy Within collector's editions now. Yes. Rather than just normal books, although they were very expensive. It was 500 quid for the, for the five parts. But now you see them, they're £120 each. Yeah. And and they'd go well with those eighty pound dice. Yeah, you only true, get yeah. you only get one d ten, so don't you won't be able to roll play Warhammer with it. Rolling a d one hundred. I don't know what'll win that. You know that is that to me is because you got Blackbirds, which we've already talked about. Absolutely beautiful game, work of art in its own right. Carbon uh, Grey, which is sort of 
set just after the First World War, and it's it comes from a set of graphic novels that are absolutely beautiful, and it's sort of a steampunk or oil punk uh, biplanes, and you you know mm. that sort of like an Eastern European First World War feel. That that was absolutely cracking and an amazing Kickstarter, and they gave away absolutely beautiful figures to go with it. Everything Rowan, Rook, and Deckard do is really highly produced, really beautiful. Yeah. Di, uh, Kieran Gillen's um, graphic novel, I think it is. Yeah, there was a bit of a stink about that recently on the usual social media slurry. Oh, what was that? About how it interests. Well, it was about how it tells you what a role playing game is. It was just, some people would say it's slightly patronizing. Oh. Like it's, it's, you know, load up YouTube or Google and research what's a role playing game. We don't need to tell you. But there were people saying, but that's what the comic's like. That's what the graphic novel is. Well, the like. graphic novel, it's based on people that actually, it's a bit like D&D, the original animated TV series. It's a group of people that get transported to a fantasy world and you play yourself. Oh, okay. Um, so there, oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of a little bit meta. It's the, you, you know, you're playing players who play players. So I can sort of understand why they would try to explain it to you. I, I I don't know about the fuss, but I can sort of I can sort of see why they they would want to do that. Hmm. And I say household, I've never even heard of. Household is a beautiful game, really clever idea. If you like stuff like the carpet people, you know Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. and the borrowers. So little people that live in a massive house, and each room is its own country. And you go around and declare war on the people of the stairs and stuff like that. And it is, it's a, again, it's a, it's a, it's another really neat game that is also a beautiful book. Okay. So should we skip RGB related, best RPG related product? Because like, I mean, Albert plush, come on, who cares? Um, Best rules. So we have Avatar Legends, the role-playing game and Magpie Games. Not read it. That's, Heard of it, but not read it. That's powered by the apocalypse. Oh, well, then skip that. <laughs> uh, High Guard Update 2022, Mongoose Publishing. Um, we were talking about that earlier. Uh, Hunter the Reckoning, fifth edition role-playing game core rulebook by Renegade Game Studios. It's not D&D fifth edition, is it? No, it's the fifth. It's the fifth edition of Hunter the Hunter Yeah, the so it's a storyteller yeah. system. I do own it. It is something that I'd really like to play. You play uh, people that go uh, doing the dirty work of killing vampires and werewolves and mages and ghosts mm-hmm. and the entire world of darkness. Um, it looks really simple to me. I mean, storyteller can be, the rules can be a little bit overwritten. Um, it looks quite elegant. Okay, so, and we've got next up River, Rivers of London, the role-playing game by Calcium Inc., I mean, we've already spoken about Rivers of London. It's based on the base BRP system, mm. which you can't really go wrong with. No. It has new magic rules for Newtonian magic. Ooh, I'm quite, um, I'm, I'm quite in- intrigued to learn about that. Yeah. Um, I've got it there on the shelf. I've just not read it yet, as I, as I say every time we do a podcast. And there's Trophy RPG, which we talked about earlier, the um, the forest that doesn't want you in there. Yeah, so that's sort of based on Cthulhu hackish with uh blades in the dark oh okay so i mean of them the i can't feel an avatar legends will win mm. but i think rivers of london probably i think it will but i think avatar legends might mm. because people like avatar legends yeah i would also say uh I, i'd be quite happy for um both of those to win um mm. 
But Trophy there is the only one that is a sort of a new rule set. Oh, it's okay. like its own thing and it's rules light. And you're thinking, well, the other games have all been around a little bit and they're refinements. So I'd, 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 mm. I think I'd like to see Trophy get something. Fair enough. It's okay, so best setting. We should probably do this one. Yes. Uh, Hall City of Monsters by Pelgrane Press. Not, not read it. I've not read it. But I have ordered it because I didn't know it was out, which is a good thing about the Emmys. Oh, okay. Um, it's a thirteenth age supplement. It's it's got some really. I mean, you can just see from the people that have worked on it, with people like Gar and Calmore. You know, the, the, there's some real quality sort of people worked on it, and and yeah. it is playing the monsters. So the the emperor, who's like an icon, this uh, immortal figure in the game of Thirteenth Age, creates a city where the monsters are supposed to go to live, and they'll all wipe each other out. But the monsters sort of actually manage to get the city working, and I think that sounds an absolutely cracking setting to me. And yeah, it's a bit different, isn't different, it? Different, uh, and yeah, I've ordered it. Okay, uh, the next one is Shiver, a Shiver Gothic Secrets of Spire Home. By Parable Games. We already know a bit about the actual set itself, but what 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 the Secrets of Spire Home offer that the basic setting doesn't. It's it's a new it's gothic horror. So if you like your Hammer House of Horror sort of nineteen seventies monsters, they're all going to be there. And the cracking thing about it is it's sandbox. It's a sandbox setting. Oh, okay. Uh, Swords of the Serpentine. I mean, I've not read it, but I've heard it's a good setting. It's one of the greatest fantasy settings ever written. I mean, I've said that publicly on on a lot of occasions. Um, I've I've been into, uh, I I remember Kevin Culp going, I think I could turn Gumption into a fantasy game on Twitter many years ago. And I said, I think I was the first person to reply. I said, I'd love to see that. I ended up playtesting it. So I've seen it through its sort of, Birth and iterations, it, and it is an absolutely cracking game. Absolutely cracking, the best implementation of Gumshoe ever. But the thing about it that is stunning is the setting Eversync, which is it's a, a thing of amazing beauty. It's really unique. It's a fantasy fantasy version of Venice, so it's got that sort of Warhammer sort of feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from there, it breaks every single trope that you can imagine so it, and makes it really unique. So the, the city is literally sinking all the time and constantly having to be rebuilt. So there's a lot of it underground. And it sinks based upon sort of the displeasure or corruption of the city's goddess. And she, Denari, who is the goddess of sort of commerce and trade, well, Denari was a type of coin, wasn't it? Yeah. And and it's got part of the beauty of the setting is they explain it really well, is depending, you know, it was a local swan god who uh, merchants started trading there and sort of the, the god morphs into the form that the people give it. So it becomes a god of trade. And basically their priests are like bankers, moneylenders and accountants with, with swords, you know, really... It's like having um, sort of violent tax collectors are your priests. <laughs> and, uh, but everything about the setting is really beautiful and so much depth. And a lot of games with settings, you need a lot of factions because you want to give an urban uh, setting a lot of moving parts that can bounce off each other. 
And sometimes it feels really forced. You know, oh, this is the merchant quarter. This is the docks. They've done it so beautifully and elegantly that it's sort of mixed and you've got all these different factions that all gel well together and you can bounce off them. And in the setting, just every single sentence, an adventure leaps out into your head going, that would be a cool adventure. Mm. So if you like Lies of Loch Lamora, if you like Lankmar, if you like urban adventures, it's absolutely one of the best. Okay. So talking of Warhammer, we've got we've got Vason RPG, Mythic Britain Island, and one of the authors is Graham Davis, one of the original Warhammer authors and one of the original authors of The Enemy Within. Yeah, and he's done, he's done an absolutely amazing job with this book. Mm. You can tell that the guy is absolutely steeped in sort of British legend and lore and Fortiana, and it's all there. And essentially, it's a reskin taking the Nordic bit out of Vason, which is Trolls and Fairy and putting British lore in it and make it an exciting place to adventure. And he's done an amazing job. Yeah, I've got it on PDF. I've not read it yet, but I've had a flick through it and it does look very good. Yes. Uh, The Vermin 2047 Survival Kit by Studio Agate. Not heard of it, have you? Yeah, I didn't didn't know this one before I did a little bit of research, but it does sound really cool. Post-apocalyptic, where the vermin of our world, like cockroaches, rats, pigeons, librarians, and now at the top of the food chain. And, you, you know, if you like that sort of fighting monstrosities, sort of survival horror, it looks really cool. Okay. So next up is we're nearing the end now. So we've got best supplement. Mm. First up is Barkeep on the Borderlands by Prismatic Wasteland, which seems to have about 50 people who've written it. I've, again, I've not heard it, but obviously it's a play on Keep on the Borderlands, I imagine. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, uh, a pub crawl so it's a fantasy city with uh, a lot of boozers that you know it's the it's i think it's a gag on you know start an adventure in a tavern and all the adventures are in tavern and there's rules for sort of drinks and factions and fighting and it does look like the sort of that thing. sounds like a great idea it, it is it is one of these absolutely stunning ideas and it, it's been it's pulled together and looks like it's gelled really well, and it's on my wish list. Okay, so we have incantations, which we spoke about earlier. Uh, Into the Cess and Citadel by Wet Ink Games LLC. Not heard of this. I should have a button that I can press that can say not heard of this. Yeah, not heard of this. Okay, Cess and Citadel. To me, it's it's <sighs> this thing. It's not a zine because it's three hundred pages. That's right, it's a zine. It's a zine. No, it's a zine. It's a zine. Sorry, I'm just confused, you know. You are, you are. So this is another, so it's a a cracking set of locations, random tables, uh, material that turns the entire of an urban setting and treats it like a dungeon, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's exploration of a very dangerous city. And it is, again, the sort of thing that I love to own. Even if I don't uh, ever use it at the table, it all sort of sinks in there and I end up stealing ideas from it. So that does look really cool. And that okay. that's, I, I put that on my wish list. Um, Intoximancy by Steve Conley. I'll press my button. I heard of this one. Okay. <laughs> Drunk Wizards for 5th Edition. Okay. Uh, Roll and Play, the sci-fi character kit by Roll and Play Press. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's an idea generator for when you come to create a sci-fi character in a game. Um, so uh, random tables that you can use to sort of generate your backstory. Okay. Quite quite a, 
What an, a neat little thing. And I could, I could imagine, you know, if you're a DM and you want some inspiration, you might roll when you're creating NPCs and use it like that. Nice, nice product. Okay. So the so we've got um, two more left. So the next one is best writing. So first is Grand Mechanismo by Osprey Games. I love I love their stuff. They're sort of quite new to sort of the role playing arena. Best known for that. Yeah, they were a they were a war like a war not a war game, but like a historical game. And yeah, they're like they? little little. I tell you, what, when I was a kid or younger. You'd always see the only place I'd ever see Osprey Osprey Games books were in wool shops in my hometown, and yeah, little sort of <laughs> with your miniatures, little skirmish-based war games, and they've moved on to do role-playing games, and they've done some absolute blinders. And uh, I think Grand Mechanismo is another one. In you know, they've kept the momentum going and been doing quality stuff. I mean, I think I'm right in saying Mark Galliotti is the guy that did Mythic Russia. So, I mean, the man can write. And Grand, Mechaniz- Grand Mechanismo is um, Da Vinci meets the Borgias in a clock punk setting, and it's really clever. And- Again, it's a weird salad. Yes. Uh, okay, so best writing. Next one is Necrobiotic, core rule book by Penny for the Tale. Uh, they've actually listed the, the editing, the editors on this one. Okay. Which is quite rare. Hmm. Um, I'm not heard of this necrobiotic. It's far future game where everything's gone, world's gone terrible, and people recycle bodies as robots, like servitors in 40k. Okay. Uh, Swords of the Serpentine by Pelgrane Press. We've already talked about, and as of we've already talked about the Book of the New Jerusalem, uh, and then there's the Wild Sea RPG by Mythopia Games. Is it Mythopoeia? Mythopoeia games. I think it's Mythopoeia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Wild Sea is an attractive game to me. I, I didn't back it at Kickstarter, and I always kicked myself that I didn't back it. So apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world, the, the, the plants take over, and you go across the roof of the world in the canopies, and the entire game is treated as if you're, like, on a boat and doing submarine quests to go down to the floor of the forest. Does that make sense? Kind of, yeah. It's it's like an underwater game set in a forest, and the writing is quite nice. And I'm surprised that, like quite a few products, I'm surprised this didn't appear in other categories like internal art and layout because it is a very beautiful product. Mm, okay. Okay, so we've got product of the year. Now, we've talked about all of these individually. So it's Broken Tales, the World Anvil Publishing, Eldritch Overload, Tarot and Codex by Weird, Weird Works LLC, a Fabulous Ultima Core Rulebook by Need Games, Flabbergasted by The Wanderer's Tome, Household by Two Little Mice, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel by Wizards of the Coast, Rivers of London by the, the Role Playing Game by Chaos Inc., Swords of the Serpentine by Pelgrane Press, Trophy RPG Box Set, The Gauntlet Gaming Community and Hedge Maze Press, and Vason RPG Mythic Britain and Ireland. Now, I'll tell you who I think will win, but I'll tell you who I think should win. Okay. I think Rivers of London will win it, mm-hmm. but I think Vason should, That's... based on the knowledge I have of those games. Mm. I can see Rivers of London uh, winning it, uh, and and I think it would be an absolutely worthy winner. To be honest, pretty much all of those would be sort of worthy products of the year. 
I'd quite like Swords of the Serpentine to win. Um, mm. Just because it's a game that feels like it's almost written for me. You like a bit of that, don't you? Yeah, and my name's, written, my name's in the book. So, te- oh, as a play, as a play tester. So technically, if it, if it wins the any, it's also my any. Is this like you with your BAFTA? Is it? Yeah, it, it is like me with my BAFTAs. Um, I've got a feeling though that Radiant Citadel will win. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it should, but I think it will. Mm. Fair point. Okay, well, that was that was Griffin Eyes um, rambling, incoherent. Well, mostly for me. Talk about the NE's twenty twenty three next year. Griffin I may be at the NE's. We might because they're held at GenCon. Are they? So that they are. Held that at means Gen if Con. we disagree with anything, we can storm the stage. Yeah, yeah. And what are they going to do to stop us? Like Kanye West did with Taylor Swift. Like, you don't deserve this. <laughs> They'd be like, yo, 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 chaos you know, Rivers of London's a great role-playing game and all that, but, you know, Mason really should have won this. <laughs> and you know what? I could imagine the free league publishing people thanking us for it. I think they would. I, I think I think uh, Johan Noor, who does Merkborg, that would, that would make his day. Yeah, do you know, I have to say, the Ennis, you know, there's a lot of stuff, but there's so much stuff that could have easily slotted, that's been released that I own, that's come out this year that could have easily slotted into those categories. Mm. There's no, there's no more Borg. And you're thinking how many amazing supplements are there for more Borg? I know. I know. I think it's a bit of an outlier though, isn't it? It seems to have a very specific audience and they don't really play by the rules of other game. I don't know. I, that's what, that's my feeling on yeah. it. Do you know when we went to Gen Con in 2022, do you know where we watched the Ennies? Uh, no. Well, Seth and his mate, uh, Jorge came round mm-hmm. and we watched it on the live stream. Oh, right. And, and, and Jorge got banned from the chat. <laughs> he got banned? <laughs> yeah, because he said, why is, someone, why, why is someone broadcasting this on a potato? <laughs> <laughs> so he did a Kanye West. He did a Kanye West he, at yeah, the Ennis. He kind of did, not live, not like we would do it. We would do it live, wouldn't we? We would. Um, but yeah, he, he got banned from the stream. <laughs> Because <laughs> I only wanted to go to see um, to see Impossible Landscapes win it, mm. which it did. It did win its, its award, which it deserved. Yes, um, I think it was thirsty thirsty sword lesbians cleaned up that year, didn't it? I believe so. Yeah, I think. I, th- I mean, it, yeah. Um, the is, I mean, awards in general serve two product uh, two purposes, don't they? First is it's to applaud people, though. Why, mm. why you need applauding for an £80 uh, set of dice? Set of dice. I, I, th- I, think, I think the £80 is your round of applause. So you know what we need now? We need the people who make this set of dice to send you a set so you can review them and just say what you think of these £80 dice because they might be amazing. They might be. They might, they, they might be the most mathematical dice ever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but... And the other thing is, like Thirsty Sword Lesbians, there's going to be a lot of products that really need a push, you know, because may, maybe they would attract a smaller audience than they deserve. I've heard it's a good game. I've not played it, but I've heard it's a good yeah, game. Yeah, and I think, I think that's what, looking at these Ennies, there's a nice mix between stuff that really does need a round of applause and stuff that needs a round of applause and a push as well. So they've done a good job. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough, yeah. Yeah, the night of the Ennies, um, Lloyd, Seth and Jorge turned up mm-hmm. and we just drank and eventually turned the Ennies off. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as Jorge got banned, we just turned it off. 
and we found out later that that impossible landscape did one. So, so the Innes, yeah. the Innes themselves, because I've I've only ever looked at sort of social media the next day. Is there a big room with tables and bottles of champagne and people in bow ties? And then they go up on stage and shake hands. Um, there's some of those things. <laughs> it's a big room. It's a big room, but that's it. Okay, then. So we might. It's we, a big room with loads of chairs lined up for the lecture. <laughs> do, do you think we might get an invite to the um, the bit where we can storm the stage? Do you think they'll let? Well, well, here's the thing with with Gen Con. You um, you when you select when you know. The, the open up all of the the games to play. Yes, one of the things you can select is the Ennies, and, you, and the tickets are free for the Ennies. Oh, yeah. So we had like we had like ten tickets that we never used. <laughs> you know that that is actually really good because I've I've been in and around awards for uh, sort of my day job. Sort of, mm. we won't say what it is because it talks. You know, it would lead you on to what awards ceremonies there is. But it, yeah. but these things tend to be. Oh, you're up for a nomination for best. Dot, dot, dot. How many tables mm. do you want to book? The tables are £5,000 each. And it's that. Yeah, it's not like that. The then you sort of realise what kind of award ceremony it is. But this, and of course, if you don't buy a table, you don't get nominated. Um, but the end is, if, if it is just people turning up in t shirts and. Yeah, that's what it is. That's, yeah. that's quite neat that they've still. And, and the tickets are free. Yeah. It's, I mean, don't forget that the gaming industry is all about giving everyone else a push for the most part. Yeah. And, and so I'm, 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 that's one of the things I do love about it. But. You've said you're going to come to Gen Con, and I'm putting it out there, and I'm leaving this in mm. that you've said you're going to come to Gen Con next year with us, with all of us, because I guarantee you will have a blast. We had a great time. I am gonna, I am gonna storage the storm the stage of the Ennies, though. You know, don't you? Are you, are you is it going to be like like Jarvis Cocker <laughs> storming the stage of Michael Jackson played? And I'm going to do his little dance as well. Good. Well, you know, I will have my I will have my high definition camera ready. Do you know, it's the only way I'm going to get into. Do you know the legend and lore of uh, RPG mythology? You'll be the one who stormed the stage. Yeah, I'm. I, I, you know, you got you got people like uh, Kenson and. Uh, uh, Sandy Peterson, you know, Greg, all these people that deserve to be, and we've had people on the show and they deserve to be in the constellations of sort of RPG heaven because they're amazing. Mm. The only way I'm going to get in is by doing a Mooney on a stage. <laughs> Do you know what though? You will be remembered more than the others, <laughs> and I think they'll. I think they'll. I think they'll all begrudgingly um, admire that. I think. I think they would recognise so. that took an act of bravado. Well, I mean, to be fair, the podcast might really take off before then, and then you might get a free ticket mm. for the for to go to Gen Con because I did last year. Because obviously, my channel is quite popular. Yes, but now we've talked. Yeah, we've talked about Mooney and the any audience live on. On the internet. <laughs> We're only joking. He's not joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, you definitely should come. You'll have an absolute great time. You'll come home going off. Oh, I wish I could go back. Yeah, and I might be able to get free copies of some of these games because they must be giving them out. You know, have a free PDF. Yeah, I've told you the story about the, the weigh-in, haven't I? Yes. But I think the, I, th yeah. I think the audience would like to hear it. Well, okay. When we were come to our day to leave, to leave, Pookie had bought so many books; he was two kilos over <laughs> on his on his suitcase. So the four of us, which was me, Pookie, 
Louise, who's Pookie's partner, and Debbie, who's a friend of ours, we, between us, moved books around and all that kind of thing. And then when we got to the airport, we were 500 grams under. Brilliant. Each each one we were five. And as we put them on the scales, the woman who was behind the desk looked at us and went, very good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I brought one of those, you know, the hook things that you you lift your bag up and it tells you the weight. Yes. Like a, a, a luggage scale. I brought one of them. I mean, we knew we were roughly nearly there. Mm. But then Pookie's hand luggage weighed as much as the plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, ne- next year will be, will be the, uh, will be Gen Con. I'm definitely going. Griff says he's going, which means he probably back out at the last second. Well, it, de- it depends on if I'm banned from traveling to the US before then or not. We, we, we never know what's going to happen. Work, are you working on it? <laughs> well, I never know. I never know what's going to happen. At the moment, it seems to be that I'm trying to live a quiet life, but I keep getting thrown curveballs. And one of them is probably mm. going to be upset the United States of America to the point where they ban it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a really cracking sort of zine publiment. It's not small, sort of, it's nearly 300 pages. Do you um, say a zine, a zine publiment? Can I, can I say that again? Yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, so ses, ses, now I've said it, I'm not going to be able to say it, am I? Uh, okay. Then. You don't put this at the beginning, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>